Tonight on Podcast Him Down, Captain Kirk gets himself into a situation that's totally avoidable, but for some reason he walks right into it in a space insane asylum. Yeah, I got an I got a version with no talking. Wow. I'm Regan. It's nice and it's nice and tight. Well, it was nice that and is tight. tight. <laughs> All right. I like it. Well, uh, let's try a different one. Let's try a different one. I have this one. Whoa. Whoa. All right. <laughs> that's like a that's like a rejoinder episode. Like when you come back like one of our famous two-parters, that's a very good like, two-parter kind of rejoinder. Is, Not that they'll be we'll be recording any rejoinder two-parters anytime soon. <laughs> and I got an RVG one. Ooh, aggro. Yeah, that's <laughs> man. I wanna go punch someone in the face. Walk on a car. Yeah, breaks. I want to. I want to like break my neck and still start walking in the same direction, just with my like head flopping around, like it, like a zombie. Nice. We'll get to it. But there's a good zombie quote in this episode. There is. Oh, really? Yeah, there is a there is a really good zombie quote. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we're continuing the rewatch of Star Trek. The original series, I didn't watch this one, but I wanted to because it has a great title, Dagger of the Mind. That, sound, that actually, sounds like a death song title. And if you've ever watched South Park, you've pretty much watched this entire episode. Oh, um, well, then I so, have seen so You'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be, you'll be totally fine. You'll, you'll know the exact plot. You'll know, you'll know everything that happens. So it's, no, it's Kitty, that is my pot pie. <laughs> I'm not sure who that was supposed to be an uh, an impression of. (laughs) Man, we might have to do like a dramatic reading of South Park scripts. (laughs) I thought that this was America. Yeah, that would. (laughs) I I was wrong about the show 20 years ago, I will acknowledge. And it's only gotten better, basically. Uh, So there is a. There is a band called Dagger of the Mind, by the way. Really? <laughs> yeah. You know, I do- Oh, and they have a song, they have an EP entitled We Are the Dagger of the Mind. That is incredible. Wasn't that the Queensryche or something? I feel like the song title I feel like it's been done as a song title. Well, it appears hmm. to be a uh a uh, Queensryche doesn't show crime. up in Queensryche doesn't show up on uh, on that search, but that you know, maybe they're excluded from Metal Archives for some asinine reason. But um, uh, uh, Dagger of the Mind apparently sings about Shakespeare. Yeah, so so Dagger of the Mind is a is a is a Macbeth quote. That would explain um, why they changed their name to the Metal Shakespeare Company. <laughs> and 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 so it's uh, basically it's an illusion. I believe it's Act Dagger. Two, Scene One, according to this. It is Act Two, Scene One, in in fact. Um, but yeah, like many of these, many of these better Star Trek episodes are are named after uh, some kind of obscure Shakespeare quote. Many of the worst ones are just a bunch of uh, uh, words thrown together, like "the naked now," for example. 
Uh, just two words smashed together. Does it have anything to do with the plot? I guess people were naked, and it happened now. Um, but this is intruder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Corbomanite maneuver. You know uh, that. You know when they have a, a a Shakespearean quote title, that's an indication that uh, ass- assignment Earth. Yeah, you know that's a shit episode. But um, <laughs> Operation Annihilate is only thirty yeah. percent shit. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, so, and, and Star Trek has this weird Shakespeare inferiority complex, but that I don't think really comes into play until the next gen. You know, I think it does and it does not. I think there are still some indications of this. Yeah, and maybe maybe this is just like an actor's conceit, but you know, there is a lot of Shakespeare, even in the original series. Uh, and I think it's like every actor worth their salt thinks they're worthy of Shakespeare. So I think it's part of a conceit of the of the whole medium as well. Right. Every, everyone would rather be doing Shakespeare, you know, even though uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is uh, Dr. Strange or whoever. He's really uh, Richard III from uh, from the Hollow Crown. That's who he really is. And this is just paying the bills and i feel like star trek's a lot of that too you know leonard nimoy is the definitive shylock uh rather than you know i am not spock you know that was his famous book that he later retracted but <laughs> i didn't yeah know his that. second his first book was i am not spock and his second book was i am spock which tells you everything you need to know about his fan base <laughs> you mean they didn't respect his opinion <laughs> Uh, they well the we'll get into this in future episodes, but the they all had a complicated relationship with the fans because even things like the typecasting all kind of happened retroactively mm-hmm. because the TV show got exponentially bigger in syndication. Uh, so it was relatively popular for the three years it aired with a group of people, but then found twice that later on, and. Ten years later, eight years later, five years later was much bigger than when it went off the air. Um, so apparently, that's that's kind of what's happening with the uh, the Office now because it it's one of the most streamed shows now, even though it's been off the air for quite a long time. So, like, you know, minor characters in the Office are getting. Oh, you were in the Office. That was one day eight years ago. <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, I, I, that show also is the quality of sort of being endlessly rewatchable, which this is. Uh, like, I watched this episode twice just in preparation from here, and I get how... I don't know. I didn't find it to be watchable once. I swear I will there. start watching these. I swear. Anyway, so we open on the transporter bay, where they're loading a couple of the world's largest pill containers onto the transporter. Is this right. the first Gigantic. time? There, is this the first time there's a cargo bay? Cargo bay? Uh, there's what? no cargo bay. It's just the regular old transporter room, uh, and the boxes appear to be space cardboard. Uh, they definitely <laughs> look. They definitely look flimsy and paper based. Um, they do not look futuristic in any way, um, and in fact, they look dated for the 1960s. Well, maybe, well, you know, it's big... It's interesting how things just come around, and yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm sure the 
environmental impact. Well, it's all recycled. It's all yeah, yeah. the cradle everything by then. It I mean, I'm sure like, they're made with like tholian fibers and uh, <laughs> and they're like hyper uh, durable, um, but you know, amazingly recyclable too. Like they will turn into water and dust. Um, sounds like big space pharma doesn't really last, and they're all generics now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, that could be too. There's not, there's no branding on them. Like they're not called like consignia or something. It just says <laughs> infrasensory drugs. So yeah. So maybe this is like a, uh, the rule of like generic, um, like pharmaceutical IP rights have been destroyed and, and medicine exists for the good of, um, not humanity. That's a, that's a racist connotation, but, but sentient beings, you know? I don't have space insurance. <laughs> drive me to uh, drive me to space Canada. <laughs> I I do know that uh so so you might not know this but all the background graphics uh later on are called Okudagrams named after Mike Okuda who designed them. And so on the next generation one of the readouts in Sigbay is medical insurance remaining for every patient. That's funny. Oh, this and you could probably see it now yeah i mean you could probably just, like zoom it up <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll get to that this is the couple little interesting is it's always one of those um they shot all this in 35 millimeter aired it when tv had whatever 400 lines of resolution it was like 8p yeah uh Except it was all there on the film when they actually keep it in focus which they did pretty well for the first two seasons uh, so you start seeing things of these remasters that you never intended to see, and there's yeah. a couple of those in this episode. We'll talk. Oh, really? About. The, yeah. the remasters look amazing. That's well, that's like the only way I've seen this, other than the ones you forced me to watch, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> long, I mean, it, long ago on our CRT. The the remasters are are worth watching. I mean, I I think you know there isn't a lot of you know the the film quality makes them watchable. It's not like watching old Dark Shadows. Hey, are we going to be like, watching the animated videotape? The original? Oh, hell yeah. No, we go. They're fucking canon, man. We're going to go straight. We're going to watch a, mm -hmm. a beam. Uh, we're going to learn about the... the, the Infinite the, Vulcan. The, oh, my God. Infinite might be the best single episode of Star Trek When ever. can we stop? Uh, we can stop when they can stop, stop making after, Star Trek. After, I mean, we got to... I mean, it's, it's that gonna includes be really Picard hard. and all that. Oh yeah, Picard, uh, Prodigy, all the movies, um, all the movies, Lower Decks. Well, this is what you um, have to to look forward to, isn't Lower Decks? It's going to be really be like hard because I think upcoming there's going to be like four simultaneous Star Trek episodes. So oh, then, so they're then, they're they're just wringing <laughs> everything they can out of it, like every property. Oh that, yeah, oh, uh, existed oh. for the last twenty years. Yeah, they're jamming this thing down the down the Great Barrier. But um, but I guess a question that we'll need to to broach probably sometime in the mid 2030s is whether or not like when we have simultaneous Star Trek products like uh, like there's a brief period when Next Generation and Deep Space Nine overlap. Do we go chronologically by release date? Do we go chronologically by star date? There's going to be a lot. Yeah, we might we might need a whole episode figuring that out. That's, so, I'm okay yeah, with this. Leave it to the people and uh, be transparent in our discourse. But yeah, yeah. All right. So we're ten minutes in, and we're one All sentence right. into the teaser. <laughs> okay. So uh, uh, 
so it it starts really okay. It uh, seems like a simple task, but yeah, apparently not. This because- is a very perplexing scene um, that sort of makes you question the professionalism and <laughs> downright competence of the Enterprise and its crew. Um, so, uh, Lieutenant uh, Berkeley, I believe, uh, is trying to Ooh, beam down. I- I almost had a visceral reaction to. <laughs> uh, wasn't Barkley a lieutenant as well? He was, but it's this not. Is, this Barclay. is a future episode, you know, because that's next generation. But I fucking hate. This lieutenant is this Barclay. is actually a, a lieutenant Barkley esque kind of move. So oh, he's lieutenant Barkley. Okay. <laughs> he's trying to beam down the 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 drug containers, uh, and, he, and he can't. Um. And then Captain Kirk walks in and is like, hey, you big stupid idiot. Don't you know that this is a space asylum and you can't just beam shit down. You have to, like, call them and they have to bring down their security field. So we get the sense that Lieutenant Berkeley is just like, oh, we're there. Like, there's no procedure. There's no, like, check down sheet. Um, there's not even like some scrawled instructions on his hands. He's like at planet commence beaming, uh, which just seems incredibly dumb. Yeah. And I feel like someone this incompetent wouldn't report directly to the captain, let alone be an officer. <laughs> the cat Kirk just seems to be walking by. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he just he's, shows up. He, yeah. But- it, it also seems like Kirk just creepily. Lurks around the Enterprise, trying to catch people at their worst moment. <laughs> so he I can, can buy that. Coach them in that captainy way. Anyway, so they beam down to the the Tantalus colony on Tantalus Four. Mm-hmm. Um, they beam back a box of classified material addressed to the Central Bureau of Penology, Stockholm, Eurasia. N-E. Right. Which which uh, itself is strange uh, because we're well aware of the space clipboards and the uh, little discs they play with, like the floppy disk, uh, like plastic or I guess they're wooden cards they play with. Um, but what exactly it says they're records or research supplies. But this is a huge box. This is like a, a four by four by four box cardboard box so what exactly this research material classified research material is 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 unclear like what what sort of thing couldn't be transmitted out over a coded frequency it's clearly not information per se like is it log books is it samples of something is it like brains and jars it, it just leaves a lot of things open what's in this box all right and then there's two technicians in the room right and one of them leaves probably to go do the remedial work that kirk assigned him right and kirk and kirk is is satisfied that he's put this young man in his place so he he saunters out as well and then we see a crazy guy that that's pejorative and judgmental Uh, a a man appears to be agitated um, an individual with mental agitation and then he chops the other technician yeah like right in the back of the neck 
Well, like with and his hand? Scene. Yeah. Yeah. End yeah. Scene. yeah. End teaser. So, <laughs> so I mean, I, I think this is pretty great. I mean, we have started off. Um, you know, we're really jumping to the 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 meat of the story. Now, I will admit that there's some weird stuff going on with, uh, you know, what the fuck Captain Kirk is doing. But uh, but in general, I think this is a pretty quality teaser. All right. Now, the root of, of penal, is that the same as... Uh, like penalty, right? I th- yeah, is it, is it the same as penance? Or different? Oh. Oh, that's a good. I, I didn't know this would be an entomology episode. Hmm. I I think it is. I think uh, pina is is punishment. Uh oh. It's also pineapple. Uh, <laughs> Wait, this, no, that's this, pina. <laughs> this pisses me off because it's one of these like Greek plus Latin uh, neologisms. Ah, so Latin. Fuck that. Um. But yeah, so it's it's the Latin word for penalties, pena, pena, and then the Greek word for the study of logia, uh, penologia. And that is exactly where the, the term comes from, uh, penance as well. All right, I need to give and us all uh, a ding for not giggling. Is penology oh, yeah, a uh, is- actual... Domain of practice today? Penology is, is uh, an increasingly popular field of study, actually. <laughs> you know, lots, of, lots of people study penology all around the world. Um, so, so, uh, so historians think that the first ever, uh, at, at least in, in modern Europe, uh, first ever work in penology was by Cesare Bacharia. And let me just read you. Uh, his oh, no. book title in Italian, De Delitti e Dea Pene. <laughs> Very good. So yeah, penology is a thing uh, growing every day. I'm sure if you search uh, on the internet, you can find all kinds of penology. Um, um, and, and yeah, so these pictures. Yeah, and we know that we held it together continues. so long, and then I had to, I had to ding it. I think it took me off my game. Penology continues well into the 23rd century, and and <laughs> and I believe beyond. I mean, that's just an assumption, but I believe beyond. We'll find out. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> I guess I mean for me, I feel like it's a pretty metal teaser. It starts out kind of slow, but you can't, um, you know, any teaser that ends with someone getting cracked on the back of the neck is at least a seven. So that's a seven for me in the middle score. And uh, it's it's equally, you know, again, the uh, weird behavior of these Starfleet officers and their boss um, begs some questions. It can't go much above a seven, but I, I say it's a solid seven, seven. Uh, we're Kirk's off to behavior is pretty metal. He just yeah, Kirk's behavior is certainly metal. People are doing the wrong thing and walks in to these people doing a technical thing and points out that they're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. he knows better. That's very metal. 
Yeah, exceedingly metal, actually. Uh, I'll just give it a seven and a seven. Seven and seven, Should all right. Effective. I wouldn't mind a seven and seven. Yeah. But uh, I will give it a seven for quality. But uh, okay. I got to give it a higher metal score because the uh, Central Bureau of Penology is apparently in Stockholm. Yeah, it is. Oh, that's true. Stockholm has given us Opeth, Entomb, Dismember, Catatonia, Candle Mass, Bloodbath, Dark Funeral, Nihilist, etc. Those are just the top ones Google came back with. (laughs) And apparently after the horrible things that happened to the 1990s and all that, or we can maybe make some assumptions, but Stockholm's not part of Eurasia. Yeah. So uh, I'll give it a uh, 7.77 for the medal. 7.77. 7.77. All right. That's a uh, that's a that's a teaser done, ladies and gentlemen. All right, uh, only act one. Like twenty uh, minutes in. <laughs> uh, how long did it take us? We're at like twenty-five minutes. Twenty, twenty-five. <laughs> yeah. Well, luckily, most of this episode is not tedious, so I can't well, tell if that's sarcasm. Kirk notes that they exchanged cargo without and departed without going ashore. Um, um, there, there's a strange interaction. Uh, Dr. McCoy is a weird character throughout this episode. Um, and so Dr. McCoy clearly has a problem with... Um, and it's unclear if it's the specific practices at the Tantalus Penal Colony or penology in general, but Dr. McCoy is not a fan and, and is clearly a, a penal skeptic. And Kirk has a real passion for penology. Yeah, and Kirk, yeah, meanwhile, loves penology, has studied penology, has like, visited penal colonies. It, it's like a, uh, uh, a resort now. Like, you wouldn't believe the things that have changed. Yeah. I'm so passionate about yeah, so there's a there's a big penal uh, discussion. Uh, McCoy, very much a skeptic. He says a cage is a cage, Jim. You're killing, and, you're uh, killing me. You're killing and, and me. Go Kirk, on. meanwhile, a great <laughs> penal apologist, uh, just keeps on going about this is what penology is about these days. <laughs> and uh, it's not like your dad's penology bones. It's something new and amazing. Yeah, so then the comedy makes them aware of the escape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then they get they get a they do get a, a call um that says that there's uh there's been a, a, an escape. From the right? penal colony, yeah. From the penal colony. One of the one of the penal inmates has has left the <laughs> penal colony. Um presumably on the Enterprise. And they tell him that the, the missing patient is potentially violent. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, yeah, the Enterprise goes to security alert condition three. Yep. Uh, we what is that? Back after that. Um, great question. Uh, that would be the third one out of uh, at least three. Um, I'm sure it's in a novel. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm sure there's a whole, like, memory beta uh, explanation of alert condition three. Um, for, for, for new listeners, that's... for new listeners... Memory Alpha has canon information and Memory Beta has non-canon information. 
So until uh, it's canonized later. Until but. it's can, and then yeah, I assume it, they update. Yeah, because <laughs> it'll, it'll appear in a lower decks episode as like a gag. We, we got to keep real. this accessible for new people, or maybe oh, someone true. who's just uh, researching penology. Yeah, you know this. I hope that podcast and down becomes the number one penal podcast <laughs> in the whole penal podcast field. Uh, new frontiers are explored here. Yeah. So this episode, every episode, and all right. So you, the podcast of down listener and metal nation, if you understand the security alerts, just put it in the comments. Yeah, please do. Perfect. Or you can create your own podcast and down listen podcast and explain it there. Oh, uh, I like that. Because I would definitely listen to that, like the breakdowns of the episodes. You will not be penalized if you uh, no. create a podcast and down listen podcast. Right. No, you won't. Podcast, so, okay, there's podcast. an intruder. We're at, <laughs> we're at alert condition three. We have an intruder aboard. Um, there's some some chatter. Uh, there's the, someone the, in the engineering the section. Shirts on the shirt, all on the yeah. ship all come out and yeah. Luckily, for one hallway. Yeah, luckily the crewman who got knocked out was wearing the uh, utility bathrobe, um, which made the <laughs> costume change very easy because he could just slip into it, um, and it's more forgiving in terms of size. So he's wearing the utility bathrobe thing. What's the um, was the red shirts always dying thing supposed to be uh like did it become a trope? Was it intentional? Were they planning on this? I don't think the original series ever has particular awareness of it as a anything other than just the formula of the show. Yeah. I mean they're just like the background goons who just happen to be red shirts. And I think it was like a, a fan observation rather than a purposeful got it you know thing so yeah and he's uh i forget if it's this scene yeah but he's very identifiable in his um smock as a member of engineering it's like you from engineering stop and he doesn't um well there are some interesting things in the hall matt so that's true yeah we do have to get to that yeah we see the science library door and we see the door of the personnel director she begs the, the question, did you think Kirk just leaves that position unfilled so he can do what he wants? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> they die and just not backfilling. It's like, ah, uh, we still have just, stuff to eat. They're not allowed in the briefing room. They're just, Yeah. <laughs> That's probably why we don't see a counselor till, till the next generation. It's like Kirk just refused to have any HR, like, employee relations <laughs> apparatus around. Well, and, and that's what I was thinking. And just as what happened, well, the, all right, before we get to that, uh, there is that scene where Spock goes all high and mighty on Earth violence. Yep, yep. Uh, and then he explains that in Vulcan, since... They've banned emotion. They have no motive for violence. I don't think Ray holds up. No. But I guess we'll let it slide. Spock's kind of weird in this episode, too. Who wrote anyway, this? The, I'll, I'll, look, the, I'll look into that. Then the doctor barges on to... The, well, we don't know he's a doctor. You don't know a doctor. I don't know. It's like crazy. Individual. The agitated individual. Bursts onto the bridge. And the, a red shirt had just come onto the bridge and freaked everyone out. They're like, 
and he's got his phaser and his little western gun belt and then he just gets neck chopped and then uh, lose firearm and then the dude uh, demands to speak to the captain mm-hmm. I was, it's just interesting like I guess I've never broken onto a navy ship but would, would I ask for the I don't know I mean he needs the counselor but there yeah. isn't one but we we also get the sense that um maybe maybe go to the cap we he's very important or at least he feels very important right um and he needs to talk with someone um Real and quick, this this episode was written by oh of course i closed it by uh Shimon Winselberg and it looks like he wrote a handful of episodes for every single show that existed between 1953 and 1997, including hey, Law & Order. that's old Hollywood, man. Like, good for, and, uh, good for him. Uh, Dynasty Serpico, which was Serpico, apparently a, nice. a TV series. I thought like it was Serpico, just a movie. Serpico, the TV show? Yeah. Wow. Logan's Run, Planet of the Apes, the TV show. <laughs> um, and on and on. All right. Go on. So the important thing here is a starship captain can grant you asylum, I guess. Um, I don't even know that it's established. I mean, he can do it once. Except, I mean, he's as we're about to find out. Yeah, he says he wants asylum. Um, so basically, he reveals himself to be Simon Van Gelder, the former director of the. Tantalus Colony. Oh! Um, which is just, uh, which is just crazy. And um, and- Kirk does not uh, take to threats kindly, so right. he refuses to negotiate with phasers up. And uh, so he's kind of moving towards him, and then Spock does, and then we get, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, but the first Vulcan nerve pinch of the show. Right. yeah. And so, so there's a very famous discussion uh, of this scene where, um, uh, in the original script, <laughs> Spock was just supposed to punch him out. Um, so, so it's it's very much the same construction of the scene. He's talking with Kirk. He's negotiating with Kirk, um, and then Spock kind of approaches from behind. The original episode had him punching him out, uh, but but Nimoy, being Nimoy, said that's you know. He's evolved past violence again. This is a lot of Nimoy's own understanding of the characters. Like, he would have some way to incapacitate someone with with just the minimal amount of, you know, brute force. And that's how he invented the, the Vulcan neck pinch here. Gene Roddenberry is just content that he looks like Satan. Yeah, yeah. That'll show those Christians. And so they, they send Dr. Gelder, poor Dr. Gelder, uh, unconscious to sickbay and hey, turn around. We got to go back around. Um, and we'll, we'll figure out what's going on. Yeah, because uh, so there's the Kirk, another Kirk McCoy discussion. Yeah, yeah. Again, McCoy's just relying on intuition. And Kirk has very strong opinions on the progress of penal colonies uh, and refuses to believe that something is going on here. Uh, but 
Uh, so they're in the sick bay and checking out the guy when all this is happening. But uh, And Kirk is all about, now we're moving on, everything is great. But McCoy checkmates Kirk by the threat of making a medical log entry documenting his concern, which Kirk would then have to respond to in his own log, triggering a report. Yeah. Uh, so a resigned Kirk contacts the planet and admits that he has a requirement to investigate to file the appropriate report in response yeah, it, to the ship surgeon's log entry. I mean, it's a rare instance of, of McCoy being an astute bureaucrat, I, I guess. Uh, he knows the procedures. He knows the book. Uh, and, he, and as ship surgeon, he's willing to use that and, and whatever else is at his disposal to, I guess, pr- preserve and protect the welfare of those on the ship and everyone in his care. And then uh, Kirk needs to assemble a away team, so he asks McCoy for the uh, best uh, person with uh, penology experience. Yeah. And, and they bring her right up. And, uh, um, but, I, I, but I do get the sense that, that you know, it's not, Kirk's request for someone with, with penology experience, I believe, is also uh, a show of distaste for McCoy's end run around him. Because I imagine in a different situation, this would be McCoy going with him. But, but Kirk, as kind of like a fuck you to his friend, specifically requests a medical team member, someone from your department, he says, who's very clearly indicating that he doesn't want McCoy to go. Because he, McCoy thinks penology is all about putting people in cages. Right, and yeah. Humane treatment of people in the resort environment of penology of the 23rd century. Right. And and so and so uh yeah, there's there's very again, there's this strange unresolved tension between between Kirk and McCoy. I would love to know, and I'm sure there's a great um, you know, zine uh story about what was happening just before this episode. Um, but they're clearly not their usual chummy chummy self. That concludes the scene. Yeah. That's and that's act one. I need uh I need something to do between the um the uh scenes. <laughs> like we could get a th- door swoosh. Or this. <laughs> uh maybe some maybe some X. Maybe some X. This is a very dialogue heavy act. There's a lot of exposition dump in this act. Um, strangely, we don't really encounter the main problem yet. We're introduced to a lot of characters. Um, a lot of time is spent debating the pros and cons of penology. Um, so it's, you know, there are some moments of excitement, but it's, it's a downgrade. I, I think this is a five and a five. Um, and that's probably being generous. Um, but again, I think its metalness and quality are roughly equivalent. Um, it's just a step down. You know, we started off so strongly, and now it just sort of necessarily fizzles a bit. I will yeah. give it a five and a six point six six, and I'm invoking my uh, 
my right to not explain it. <laughs> All right, there you go. The five is quality, and the six point six six is metal. I absolutely. All right. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go five and five. Though it is really metal when Spock nope. is all hypocritical about violence. Yeah, I mean that's metal because we've you know hypocrisy very metal, and uh, Spock is especially hypocritical in his uh, judginess. He's very judgy too. All right, here's some door um, swooshes. Okay, that could work. And then that's the end of Act Two. Oh, that we need like. Why does it do it twice? The 25th anniversary special game when those oh yeah transitions. Oh yes. There, Ooh, there's a. We'll good have one. to work on that. <laughs> and now on to Act Two. So we open with Kirk. In, wait, wait, we got it. The door is open. Okay. In which the substance is whining about McCoy's log. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so Kirk begins by just basically saying Dr. McCoy is being a bitch. Uh, he doesn't appreciate <laughs> penology like we all should. Um, and they go down to the transporter room, uh, and the door—I forget if the door opens on the transporter room or she oh, walks like in. Exactly like that. Except this is not Act Three. We're still in Act Two. Just to not alarm the viewers. Um, you didn't. There's no skip back or anything. That was just uh, an actual door. Yeah. Um, this discussion pertains to Act Three, despite what the sounds may indicate. Yeah. Yeah. Act Two. Act Two. We're still only in Act Two. It's. it's oh right. Oh, ah. Ah. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm not confused. Dug up. With confusion though. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Just to be safe, restart this episode from the beginning, and we'll join you back here. What's this? Right now. <laughs> what is that? It was a. It says door buzzer. Why do they have? Oh yeah, that's like on the original series, like the <laughs> on the next generation, it would be like that cool, like doo doo But yeah, it, on the original series, it was just a, a regular ass buzzer. These sounds brought to you by TrekCore.com. Not a sponsor yet. No, still, still Act Two. Still Act Two. Yeah, we're not at Act Four or Five. Holy shit! All right, okay, uh, okay. I'm getting so, confused here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so we walk in, and then we meet Doctor Helen Noel, who mm-hmm. says something. She's like to Kirk, "We've met." Yeah. So she's like, "Hey there, Captain. Fancy seeing you here on on your ship." <laughs> um, and. Uh, yeah, uh, what is what is it here? Um, which she kind of asks and says if they've met, which they have. Right. Because we learned that Kirk dropped in on the science lab Christmas party. Yeah. And some things happened between them. They're both passionate about phenology. There's one thread comes out in this episode, may have played in that exchange. Who knows? We weren't there. Doctor, uh, uh, Kirk says something very sexist. Um, so he's like, "How the? why the fuck are you saddling me with a woman? Uh, Mr. Spock, you tell McCoy that she had better check out as the best assistant I've ever had. Energize, he says angrily. Um, so, so, again, I mean, I didn't question that Dr. Helen Noel was the most qualified. I mean, we know that the one psychiatrist uh, 
uh, what's her name, uh, is like a god thing, so she can't help. And I assume that that Helen Noel filled her role. Um, but it just seems strange that that Kirk is almost immediately suspicious that McCoy has sent a woman uh, who he may or may not have sexually assaulted at a Christmas party um, uh, to assist him. And that's somehow like his plot. There's a lot of 23rd century, what we would perceive to be sexism from our vantage point in the 21st century. Right. And a lot of what we would perceive to be mansplaining and a lot of multiple wrongs equaling a right. Yeah. But I actually didn't necessarily get the vibe that it was about gender right at this scene, but kind of Kirk's contempt for McCoy. But but there's something about expertise. But I mean, he asks for, he shouldn't be like, why would he be, why would he be puzzled or concerned that McCoy sent someone from his department? Because, Moments ago, he had specifically asked for McCoy to send someone from his department. There's just there's a there's a weird unspoken tonality between the two of them. And I guess later it gets spoken, but it's it's his discomfort with her seems strange. Yeah, something happened at that Christmas party. Uh, yeah, and and uh, I guess Kirk thinks McCoy should does or should know about it yeah um, well and-, and there's some interesting lines but it's kind of it's not necessarily continuity we'll get to it but anyway so they beam down mm-hmm. um we get a i watched the original episode i think i, I watched both versions but nice matte painting and then they're at the door yeah. then they go in and then it turns out that they walk into an elevator which Kirk immediately uses to do some inappropriate hugging. Yeah, well, they they go in a very fast elevator, and so Kirk uh, has to cradle her. Um, there's, uh, I'll, I'll hold on to it for a second, but there's also like an in a. What? No, that's just the elevator. Um, oh my god! That's, yeah, this is actually the sound. Yeah, that's that's the sound of the really fast elevator. That's really good. Um, it hurts. At, I'm turning it down. <laughs> And and there's a whole thing oh, no. that um, uh, Kirk calls her doctor, and 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 Doctor Noel is very um, off put by people calling her doctor, um, and so she says, "Just call me Helen," uh, you know. And yet she still calls him Captain. So yeah, it, it's just it's just call me Helen, Captain. And then Kirk says, "Oh, of course." And she's like, "Thanks, Captain." So is this is this very strange here? Well, and then it gets even weirder when they introduce when they meet Doctor Adams. Adams, and then Kirk quickly mansplains her introduction. Yep. Like this is Doctor. I'm Captain Kirk, and uh, this is Doctor Noel. As this, she starts talking, this chick here is also a doctor, Doctor Adams. And and, then, and again yeah. we get the again. Even though we only call Dr. Adams Dr. Adams, we never call him Tristan. Uh, again, Dr. Noel is just like, oh, call me, call me Helen. I'm the chick doctor here. There's no There's mean. There's so many doctors. We're just going to get confused. Yeah. So just, 
Please don't call me the woman by my professional credential, but I will continue to call all you men by your professional credentials. All right. Then we go in that that room with the Roman artifacts. Uh, yeah, and they're all they're wearing the weird. They're wearing the uh, engineering suits, but with the hand and you, you. You can describe the logo better than me, Matt. Yeah, so it's like a a sun. And then a hand somewhat grasping or slightly off center from the sun, and then like a, a dove. Um, and and it just looks like the drawing of a, an insane person. So I'm not sure if this is something a patient drew that they all liked. I don't know if there's some sort of weird symbolism there. But it just it's really big. It takes up most of their um you know, upper chest area, and all the technicians are wearing it. Um, strangely, the 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 patients, the patients in the penal asylum appear to be wearing whatever they please, and the staff appears to be wearing very strict uniforms, which you know, goes against my twentieth century, my twenty first century mind of how clothing arrangements are, are done uh, in in prisons or, or medical facilities, for that matter. Uh, but that's that's the way that is. Yeah, I mean, penology advanced. Yeah, yeah. Very quickly. It's been established. Sometimes twice. <laughs> so then... Oh, man. Uh, uh. See, the Star Trek <laughs> stuff is, is separate from the other stuff. <laughs> And they established the security screen to, that blocks them from communicating with the Enterprise as well oh, as right, the right, right. to turn it on and off, but they never use the button. Now, also, strangely, that screen has never prevented the Enterprise from contacting uh, a Tantalus Colony, and we've contacted them to tell them to lower the screen multiple times. And I'm not sure if maybe the... There, there's lots of questions begged by this security screen. Um, it certainly prevents people from beaming in and out. I mean, it, it um, might be that the hand communicators only have the equivalent power generation of, uh, you know, two uh, nuclear reactors. Yeah, and maybe there's like a special ship-to-shore antenna or something they use where they can, you know, the control base can talk to them versus, you know, someone just in the facility. Big lithium engines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the size of your fist. Um, uh, <laughs> then, uh, then... Then Dr. Adams just lets ca Kirk casually smuggle in a firearm. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's much more chill than penology now. It's a very chill penal colony. Uh, they meet uh, Lethe. Um, who you are sure will play a bigger part uh, in the episode, and maybe maybe she will. Um, but uh, but we meet crazy old Lethe, uh, who um, who actually everyone was sure was like a secret character in Star Trek Discovery, and because of the resemblance of the actress who played Admiral Cornwell uh, and this actress, and they were like, she turns into Lethe. It's amazing. She's going to do something horrible and need to go to the penal colony. And then they kill her, uh, and just, you know, just cramp on that, um, uh, thread. But anyway, uh, spoiler alert for discovery, I guess. And this episode perhaps, uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, basically Lethe just kind of stands there and, 
Dr. Adams says, here's one of our best uh, patients. Now she's even a therapist. And she uh, very distantly says, I love my work. Um, and there's clearly something. So this is our first indication, besides crazy old Dr. Van Gelder, that something is amiss on, on Tantalus 5. Um, yeah, and they, they apply or state that her mind has been wiped of unhelpful things from the past. Yeah. And then Kirk strangely sort of questions it, but then Dr. Noel shuts him down by pointing out that, uh, I forget how she says it, but scrambling memories is basic to psychotherapy. Yeah. yeah that's how it works. It sounds um, to me like uh, this. This episode probably could be the, the the Star Trek episode, and maybe the podcast episode could be done in like a third of the time. <laughs> oh, certainly, yeah. I mean, there's a lot again, lots of exposition. Like, Got it. Um, something's not quite right. Yeah, lots of lots of Still leading. Not you know, quite it's, right. <laughs> it starts off so strong, but now we're kind of strung along for this act at least. Uh then we uh, uh, we introduced the device. Yep. Then we go to uh, the device. And we learned some very interesting things about 23rd century science here. There seems to have been a paradigm shift um, from what we're used to in which uh, null results or a failed experiment has as much scientific value as a successful experiment. Yep. But in the future, only successful experiments matter. Right. Yeah, uh, because it is it is asserted that this device never worked, and uh, Kirk's like, "Well, I want to see it anyway." And Doctor Noel's like, "No, I have to put my foot down. Right. He just it doesn't work. Nothing to nothing to gain here." And then they mansplain to her that <laughs> it's okay to deviate from the the norm and look at this unproven science in this one instance even though she's just enforcing the paradigm of the day. But he, he, he uh, Dr. Adams uh, patronizingly tells oh. fellow psychiatrist, Dr. Yeah. Noel, you're fighting over your weight, arguing with Captain Kirk. I Helen. think the captain's won this one. Helen. Yeah. It's like, fuck you. She's a legitimate penologist at least. And Kirk's just some like, Freaky, like insane asylum fanboy, uh, and it's just very disturbing. I don't know. You say it doesn't work, but I want to see it anyway. So now here's some really good construction. So they're they're looking at the neural neutralizer. We cut to sick bay, and it's crazy old uh, Doctor Van G uh, uh, saying, "I don't need the neural neutralizer." And Spock's like, what's what's going on? What are you talking about? He's like, there's a room, uh, the light, a crazy light, and he's he's freaking out. And then we again we we switch back to the uh, discussion about the neutralizer in the room. And Adams is very like, ah, oh, this is how it works, or I guess it doesn't work, but here's how it should work. Blah blah blah. Um, so there's good construction there. Yeah, and there's a scene where. Um... Yeah, because they they like, yeah, it doesn't work, but we keep doing it on the hope that it works. And then Dr. Noel starts talking about tranquilizers, and then Dr. Adams just mansplains over her that, yeah, unproven science and hope is better than tranquilizers. Yeah. Yeah, again, again, fuck you, lady. Um, <clears throat> uh, uh, so then... 
Um, oh, we learned that uh, according to, to Adams, Van Gelder's injury uh, happened because he was uh, he was testing it on himself. <laughs> you know, as you do with treatments for the insane is uh, the first step of the scientific method is for a sane person to use it and see what happens. Um, and that's why. And he was he, he was very stubborn. Uh, and uh, that's just the way uh, Dr. Van Gelder was. And, you know, he's he's the victim of his own hubris, I suppose you could say. And then Kirk keeps asking questions. And then there's the uh, the skeptic parable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, but Dr. Noel assures Kirk that while she's not familiar with this particular equipment set, She's quite familiar with beam neutralizing of human brains, and that all this is on the level, not a chamber of horrors. Yeah. Um, so we go on and on. Uh, Spock calls and, and says, you know, uh, Dr. Van Gelder is really talking about this experimental device. And, <clears throat> you know, Adams always has an answer. Um, and the kind of the scene just winds down, um, with like this discussion. We know, we now know the, the implement of whatever happened to Dr. Van Gelder, but we don't know much more beyond that. Well, the one thing we learned is that spending the night there, which Kirk was very intent on, is a bad idea. Right. Oh yeah. Dr. Van Gelder. Yeah. Um, and, and then... Yeah, so Kirk's like, ah, we're going to look around some more. We're going to spend the night. Uh, Gelder, who uh, for some reason is right there when Spock is saying this, gets really upset and says, no, don't do that. Dr. uh, Adams will destroy like death. Yes, yes. That's that's fucking metal right there. Um, and, And Spock promises to check in, or Kirk tells Spock to check in every four hours. And is that it? Is that the end of the ep- of the? It's the act. The act. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there we go. See, we exited the act right there. Um. Now we're in the debriefing chamber for the right. act. The, like the interstitial <laughs> space <laughs> between acts. Oh, uh, I was getting ready for something else. <laughs> okay, so we're we're more than halfway there now. Um, I guess I'll just continue going first. Uh, you know, for me, this is static. We're, we're still, what was that? That didn't work. That didn't work at all. It's supposed to be warp flyby number one. Here's number two. Oh, that what? Okay. Oh, hmm. Um. All right, go ahead. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to continue my, you. I'm going to continue these two fives. Um, Again, I don't think it's much better or much worse than Act 1. Um, it hasn't lived up to its promise. There's been some spooky stuff, but there's also just been some, you know, tedious stuff. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, Tim, like, it, this could have been half an act, um, and we would still be in the same place. So I'm, I'm going to just give this a 5 and a 5. Yeah, so, you know, it's pretty metal to have an uninformed opinion and still have it count as much as informed opinions. So, um, <laughs> so uh, I'm going to give the quality score a five because it sounds kind of slow. 
Uh-huh. And uh, lots of mansplaining that wasn't uh, necessary, but it sounds like things were creepy. Yeah, I mean, it's disturbing. You know, and off, it's- and then, you know, it ends pretty metal, so that, uh, you know, uh, the quality so- score can't live in a vacuum separate from the... <laughs> From the uh, metal score, uh, metal score six 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 points. That's six point six six, not six hundred sixty six, because of the uh, the uh, gender like relations. Death. No, <laughs> I mean all that's fairly metal. Yeah. you know we, we can't not acknowledge that that is the practice in metal. It's right like or wrong, one woman is is more or less an automaton, and the other woman is just treated awkwardly despite her credentials so yeah that's that's not why i'm giving it a (laughs) 66.66 but you can use that for why you give it tim you make you make some good points there about women tim i think you're you're (laughs) no no (laughs) yeah i'm just uh five five and evoke by right not to justify all right, great. All right. All right, we moving are more on. Than halfway there now. Yeah, open open the door, please. I'm trying something to. Oh wait, no, we're <laughs> we're setting course to Act Three. <laughs> All right. Full impulse. Uh, I gotta download these sounds so I don't have to, <laughs> to navigate this webpage trackcore.com slash audio. Okay, so here's. There. All right. Okay. Now we're back. We're right, so- Captain. Impulse at full. Okay. So let's go down to Act Three. Uh, now we we open with uh, McCoy and Spock. What the hell is going on now? Stuff in his head. So Spock considers and McCoy encourages the first Spock's first mind meld. Uh, Lots of Spock doing stuff for the first time. You know, and and for all the Spock doing stuff in this episode, I would not characterize this as a Spock-heavy episode at all. Um, Matt, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Because I know how big Star Trek fans Alex Kurtzman and all the wonderful people (laughs) in the new shows are. So Spock never does a mind meld. No. Prior yeah. to this moment of the continuity, right? No, you're you're that. he totally never does. Uh and in fact, as we know in this episode, Spock is himself a bit hesitant and uh unsure if he can even uh do this. Uh he, he it could be dangerous, uh it's a hidden personal thing. Uh people uh people don't do it's never used on a human. Certainly not, uh, old Spock, right? Um, so yeah, so we know, uh, we know that uh, this is a last resort that that Spock only reveals, um, personally, quietly to Dr. McCoy. And we'll put Discovery and Strange New Worlds to the test when we get there in 2024. Yep, yep, <laughs> we'll see if that holds up. Because everyone really paid attention. Anyway, never mind. Okay. 
yeah, so then um, I, I guess they weren't, and it seems to be a two-way. Spock explains it a little more two-way than it comes off as in the future. Yeah, yeah so, even even later on in like the movies and stuff, um, they're, they're very much like a combined entity, so so Spock will says things like, we are Dr. Simon Van Gelder, uh, here's what happened to us. Um, so it's much more of a melding of the minds, uh, rather than sort of like this peering into someone else's mind. Um, but, but all the, all the core sort of elements of the mind melt. Um, and we learn that, no, it was Dr. Adams who, who, who put Van Gelder in the, in the neural neutralizer. And, and even though we fought back, says Gelder through Spock, um, you know, he did something to us. And again, you know, good, good script writing here. We have lots of uh, cuts back and forth between Kirk uh, and, and uh, Dr. Noel examining the neural neutralizer and this exposition dump through the, through the mind meld. So then once we're done the mind meld, uh, Kirk just barges into Dr. Noel's room and starts questioning her competence again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, now, he happens to be right, but two wrongs don't make a right. right. This happens a couple of times in this episode. She's put too much faith into Dr. Adams. Helen has. She says uh, things like, well, how can you not trust a man like that? Dr. Adams is the creepiest looking motherfucker. He's already smirking and skulking around. He has like the brain wiped Lethe who always follows him around. But it's like, how can you not trust good old Doc Adams? You read about in your that penology journal we talked yeah. about on Christmas yeah. Eve. <laughs> Uh, so they decide to go and check out the uh, the neural neutralizer themselves. Um, and again, we have a very questionable command decision. Um, so Kirk sits down in the device and tells Dr. Noel, who has no idea how this thing works. Oh, we should mention that earlier uh, in the last act, a technician mentioned, like, this is the one knob and this is the other knob. Um, but again, she has no idea how this thing works. Um, just the fact that there are knobs that are labeled things like medium and, and, and well, you know. I have it written down. I figured it out. The second viewing. Okay. Okay. So there's the potentiator master oh. and then the intensity. And it seemed redundant to me, but I think that the potentiator master is not an intense, it's just a, a control switch. So that's the on off. And then the intensities, what cranks up the potentiation flow from the device. So what you're right. saying, it's like Tune Tracks' easy mix. You know, uh, yeah. Two buttons so you don't get bogged down in details. Exactly. By buttons, I mean exactly. knobs. Yeah, knobs. Um, so then we have some very questionable scientific method here. Um, so Kirk wants to learn how this thing works. Well, and um, there's a great quote. I'm going to butcher it, but uh, I can't do it like Shatner, where he's like, I have no desire to damage my brain. Can this be handled with reasonable certainty? Yes or no? 
and, and again, just sort of strangely tonally wrong. Uh, and she was like, yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, so he sits in the chair. Um, and then um, the first thing they do is turn it on um, just to see what happens. And and Kirk doesn't think anything happens. But uh, Dr. Noel says that that his face went blank. Um, and so then they're trying to figure out what it does. And Kirk says, we'll try a harmless suggestion. Um, and so she turns it on again and says, you're hungry. And then she turns it off and kind of almost with comedic timing, he says, you know, when all this is over, I'd really like to raid a kitchen somewhere. Um, so again, it's, it's, you know, it's like, okay, this is somehow a device that, um, puts suggestions into the mind and, and Kirk still a bit slow says, you know, this is working really well for something that Dr. Adams said was trash. Um, and, <laughs> and then this thing happens, which I am still, to this moment, perplexed by. Um, so Kirk says, okay, let's just make sure this wasn't a fluke. Anyone could be hungry. Plant something more unusual. Something we can both be sure of, right? Now, I would, if if I were Dr. Noel in this situation, I might you say, would like, manufacture an aggressive sexual encounter with no, Captain Kirk. No, that's not, that's not what I would do. Christmas that's party. not what I would do, Doug. I would say, like, for the next five seconds, you're a chicken, you know? Or, like, uh, you really love singing uh, songs from the HMS Pinafore, like all Star Trek characters do. Uh, but no, instead, we do get just this uh, graphic, sexually aggressive uh, memory. Um, she plants in his mind that is really disturbing. And what I find you can't, because it's totally the enemy within Kirk, essentially. Yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. Oh my God. Doug. Could the Christmas party have happened during the enemy within? It could have. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the turkey. What, wait, no, the space turkeys were for the, the salt vampire, right? So I believe that's a few months later. It could have been Christmas. Yeah. But Holy I, I don't get because you because she's putting the thing in his head. And I guess you don't, because all you see is the impression of the memory. Right. And you don't know who's generating it, whether it's her or him. Because she's putting it in his head. Then you cut to Kirk's face, and he's got like an evil grin on it. No, but I mean, it's very clear she put, from at least my sense, is that in the real Christmas party, they had an awkward flirtation, but he didn't make uh, a move. And in her version, uh, she he's rapturously in love with her, as all professional women desire of their bosses, um, uh, as we know from all um, you know male interactions. Uh, and and so she just plants this notion in his head that they did have this torrid affair. We're on the same page through here, but I think where it's interesting is the look on Kirk's face and whether there's any embellishment on his part, and that that's what's bringing out the enemy within Kirk. Oh, no, uh, I think... Oh, hmm. 
because you get the uh, and there's some weird, very awkward dialogue. So it totally is the enemy within Kirk. Like yeah. my my crew will keep a secret, and then there's that whole thing about she doesn't want to have sex with anyone who doesn't love her, and then he does not. I forget what he says, but it's not "I love you." Then they they go at it. Then yeah. you cut to Kirk's face. Even in, even in her fantasy, he specifically says he doesn't love her, right? Because in her fantasy version, Kirk says, uh, or she says, like, I wish you would have cared for me. And Kirk yeah. says, you want me to manufacture a lie, it's, wrap it's, it up as a Christmas present for you? <laughs> anyway... Luckily or unluckily, um, this weird reverie is interrupted by by uh, evil old Doctor Adams, uh, who again uh, plants an equally weird suggestion. Um, so he 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 his goons uh, uh, move Doctor Noel away from the control panel, and uh, and 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 known penal creep Doctor Adams uh, says. Um, uh, you're madly in love with Helen, Captain. You'd lie, cheat, steal for her. Sacrifice your career, your reputation. Um, uh, okay. And then he gives him pain. Uh, but the pain, for some reason, is his pain for loving her. He, he creates conditions of unbearable love. Yeah. The most uh, damaging emotion humans can feel. Mr. Spock can't. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, uh, then we end with the the uh, another patented Kirk scream, and he's being like a neuralized or whatever. Uh, he makes him drop his gun. He makes him drop his communicator. There's lots of good like Shatner uh, fighting off the forces of brain power, <laughs> um, but uh, he because he succumbs um, and he's reduced. To a to a quivering, lovelorn uh, fool, um, just sort of mumbling about how much he's loved Doctor Noel. Yep. <laughs> yeah. While you were uh, talking, I was updating the soundboard. That's why I've been quiet. <laughs> this picks things up a notch. Did we get to mega voltage yet? Is that that's the no that's that's act four okay so that's yeah so that's that's act three that's act three close the door yeah I was getting confused yeah Yeah. all right so we're in the debriefing we're in the debriefing chamber now let me run a tricorder scan yeah that's a good way you know we need to analyze our thoughts (laughs) and I make sure we're all on the same page here. Like how it just stops. <laughs> well, the scan stopped. Uh, yeah, it sounded like things are getting melts. better. <laughs> the mind melt's pretty metal. Yep. Their half-assed plan. Kirk's uh, bluster. Yep. The weird sexual fantasy that you don't... That's so off-key and whose is it? Did it happen? Could it happen? Like oh, the very metal and the very notion that a woman's sexual fantasy is that a man uses her and th- throws her away. I mean, it's not. 
<laughs> so yeah, no, I, 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 I totally agree with you. Um, I may, so, maybe I'm gonna throw down some scores six and six, six and six. Um, you know, I, I feel like there is some more. There's much more metalness here. I, I think quality. You're right. Is a six. I am going to do a six point four for the metal score. Um, just in addition to everything we've we've already talked about, just kind of like a brazen disregard for common sense is pretty metal. <laughs> and why in the world would you ever just put yourself in this machine that you already are pretty sure had something to do with with Doctor Simon Van Gelder going insane and commandeering your ship? Um, but it's like, yeah, I'll I'll sit in this thing. Why not? Now that's that's pretty metal to me. So what's your yeah, number? I, I agree. I just, I can't go the extra because the science has changed. Clearly yeah. the scientific method is different. It's more, it's much more inductive now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so success matters. 6.4 and six for me. I'm going to go with uh six and seven. Uh, what's, what's your metal? The metal is seven. That's right. All right. Seven and six. All right. Let's beam down to Act 4. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Pretty long. I, I never want to not use these sounds. <laughs> Let's right, use so them for the NHL episode. <laughs> <laughs> Why is so the we, transporter so long? It's ridiculous. It's still yeah, going. Did, yeah, team by team. This will help keep us on track. Yeah. I'm just gonna turn this down. <laughs> so, so we open with like they're in, I guess, Noel's quarters. Kirk seems to have forgotten. Well, he's not in good shape due to no, his he's... condition of unbearable love, right? Uh, which is awkwardly expressed as he rolls around on the ground. And uh, then we, then he goes to express his. His feelings in a scene too reminiscent of the Janice Rand scene from yeah. the Enemy Within, but he gets distracted by a duct. Right. So, so, so again, we get the sense that, um, and 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 maybe this plays into it that even though the conditioning worked, uh, it's not one hundred percent. It needs multiple uh, sessions apparently to to stick because he notices the duct. Uh, and and something of the old Kirk's, you know, reemerges, um, and uh, and then he he's like, look the the duct, and then he goes over and he's really interested in it, uh, and they believe that if they crawl through the duct, they can get to the the power supply and turn off the force field that yeah, it's, that it's is the, powering uh, the screen. It's it's prog Kirk overpowering metal Kirk. <laughs> yeah. Just in that because there's still the equilibrium's <laughs> here, despite the in, what's in his head. Uh, so yeah, then he uh, mansplains the concept of mega voltage yeah, to her. So, so uh, he asks her, "Have you had any training in hyper power circuits?" To which she reassuringly responds, "No." And then Kirk very helpfully says, "Mega voltage. Touch the wrong line, and you're dead." Doesn't tell her what the right line is, and hopefully she can figure it out. But off you go, um, and uh, yeah, 
that's it. Yeah, then the uh, Dr. Adams' goons come to drag Kirk out of there. And at least for a moment, they don't seem at all concerned about the location of Dr. Noel. Until like two minutes later, they suddenly are. Well, well, again, no man notices the woman is gone. It's Lethe who says the woman doctor, she's gone, Doctor Adams, because apparently there's something. Perhaps this is a 23rd century thing, but but women are invisible to men only except when they're directly speaking to them. Yeah. So there's that. Um. And uh, um, he tries to resist. Uh, Adams is using the, the the booth to try and get Kirk to tell him where she is. Uh, but he's resisting. Um, and uh, meanwhile, Dr. Noel has made it to the power control room and is, tr- is trying to, to turn the big giant off switch off. <laughs> Yeah, and this this is a pretty well black scene. I mean, it, I don't know what set it is. It's like the engine room or whatever, just with some extra wall. But um, yeah, they do a good job here uh, for what they have to work with and all the goons are looking for. Her. And um, yeah, so she gets it down, and then uh, Spock beams down. Well, no, in the process of that, one of the goons grabs yeah. her, kind of hits her around, and then uh, she kicks him into the wires, uh, electrocuting him with the mega voltage. Mega voltage. That was alluded to. Uh, but again, 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 all credit to, to Shimon uh, Winchell. Uh, Winchelberg, this is a really well-written episode. It, the, the cuts are perfect. Um, like, we never, you know... There are quick switches between the transporter room and the treatment room and the control room. Um, so this is fairly well done. I, I think it's a really well done sequence um, of more or less just like uh, William Shatner with lights going on in his face. Uh, Spock looking like uh, angry that he can't go down uh, in the transporter room. And then uh, poor Dr. Noel uh, just like trying to flick a switch and then beating up people and knocking them into power lines it's well done it's well done yeah and you're right it's the cross-cutting between the three spaces that make all the difference yeah um so spock eventually beams down and then for reasons i don't understand he turns on the power (laughs) after disabling the uh whatever the the screen yeah, well, I guess it's that. Is it that he turned on the power that enables Noel to kick the guy into it? I no, because that was that was before she got the power. Um, they're like fighting back and forth. Like she turned off and he turns it on. Um, so she. Oh yeah, you got a real box back on that does the thing to Doctor Adams. That's why I remember that big. Yeah kilter you got a real rabbit season duck season thing going on there but it does yeah and and oh yeah it's not really clear um it's something again we might need to even watch this again but it's something with the power going on and off 
that basically makes like Dr. Adams do the what's wrong with this gun like looking down the barrel thing. Um, so this, yeah, it totally devolved into Looney Tunes. Need an instant reply. Yeah, we do. Basically, what you need to know, Metal Nation, is that somehow in the turning on and off and on and off and getting electrocuted with mega voltage, uh, Dr. Adams ends up in the chair uh, and, and there's all this commotion. And Dr. Adams is alone in the chair. Kirk has escaped. Uh, and, and Dr. Adams is alone in that chair. Yeah, Kirk gets to do some punching for the first yep. time in the episode, if I recall. Yep, and, and he gets uh, to do some uh, kissing, like legit non-fantasy kissing of his uh, of his boo, uh, Doctor Noel. And then Spock, never fear, has uh, been down some red shirts, so you can yep. see beating up the scientists. Yeah, uh, doctors, <laughs> people have devoted their entire lives to the rehabilitation of people with mental illness, are <laughs> just getting punched in the face. The way it should be. All the patients in their own clothes are just sort of shuffling. Yep, yep. And basically, uh, we discover Dr. Adams in the room. He's sitting in the chair. And uh, Kirk um, gives one of his famous, he's, he's dead, Jims. Um, Kirk does? And uh, Sorry, McCoy does. He's, he's dead, right. Jim. This, this is pretty metal of you to call that out, Tim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give, give yourself a metal point. Uh, um, I'm too slow uh, on this thing. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, and, and so basically, we just learned that um, Dr. Adams died because he had no one to suggest anything for him. His mind was totally empty with, without even a tormentor for company. Um, I, I, again, we're not <laughs> quite sure where Kirk gets this from. Maybe it's his, you know, personal experience with the machine. Um, but they're like, yep, that's what happened. <laughs> and then the, the episode inadvertently has something to say about the real world conditions of solitary confinement. Yeah. 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 There's nothing. The most horrible punishment is being alone with oneself. Apparently. Um, so then they wrap up the episode. Uh, good old Dr. Van Gelder is, is, is apparently tr- treated and healed. Uh, and he, uh, he radios up to the Enterprise to let Captain Kirk know that they've dismantled and destroyed the treatment room. Um, and, you know, usually, the, usually these Star Trek episodes... End on a lighter moment. Usually, the Star Trek episodes uh, uh, end on a joke, and and I frankly uh, think that this episode ends on a hilarious note, uh, where they're talking about the the booth uh, being dismantled, and McCoy says it's hard to believe that a man could die of loneliness, and Kirk looks at him and says, "Not when you've sat in that room." Take us out of here, Warp Factor One. I almost thought it introduced an element of ambiguity to the yeah. ending. Because yeah. Kirk, Kirk's implying that it had something to do with the conditions of the space rather than the infinite suggestion of solitude and aloneness that did yeah. him in. Or 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 maybe the, the machine didn't quite work, you know, experientially the same way that our that our penologists believed it worked. Um 
But but either way, it's just a strange kind of not comforting ending. Um, but we're on to our next space adventure. All right, take us All right. out. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Doug. Yes, go Let's ahead. Let's analyze the tricorder. <laughs> Well, we've got unbearable love. That's pretty, pretty prog. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean that that ran scene that then turns into a duck scene. That was kind of metal. Um, the fact that they don't care about Doctor Noel, and then it costs them. Yeah, I mean she's horribly traumatized by the whole thing, but they just kind of brush her aside. Yeah, and then death by the suggestion of aloneness. That's pretty fucking brutal. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to take this up to an eight and an eight. You know what? I I agree. The ending is pretty metal. You have someone electrocuted with mega voltage. Uh, you have the the uh, you have the enemy, the the villain, kind of ironically. Uh, getting uh, killed by his own device, and there's something. There's like a beautiful kind of Aristotelian, uh, golden mean aspect that I think is actually very classically metal. Um, you know, I'm thinking of like the painkiller, <laughs> etc. Um, you know, that's uh, that's the sort of thing I think that would happen to him ultimately. So yeah, no, no complaints here. Eight and eight. Who am I to disagree? Eight and eight as well. All right, there we go. And now, whoa. Jensen Regan, take us out of here. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. We, got, we, got some, uh, we have some uh, breaking news here. So according to our determinations, Act 4 is the best act at a solid 8, uh, followed by the teaser. Act 1 and 2 are, are basically the same. Uh, and then Act Three uh, is is just below the teaser. Uh, the average score is a six point three eight three. The absolute score is a one ninety one point four nine. And your new medalist Star Trek episode is the Dagger of the Mind at seventy seven point eight four. This is now wow. the episode to beat. Holy nice. shit. Yeah. Well, yeah. We can't disagree with the process. It's objective as shit. <laughs> and it's proven it's metal. We, we should also point out that we didn't score the first two episodes <laughs> using this system. So we have no idea how it stacks up against, to say, uh, you know, uh, the man trap. But, but let's just say for now, medalist episode yet. We'll move back to them after we get through the next uh, six or seven, eight hundred. Yeah, yeah, when we do when we do the rewatch. Yeah, yeah. We do the podcast without rewatch series where we give our hot takes on our previous takes of like Star it. Trek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, ah. half of it's just footage of the original podcast, and then and us, us commenting on our comments. Oh my god! It might be our children. <laughs> <laughs> so what I think my dad is saying here? Why is he making us do this? 
All right. And that's right. Metal Nation, Colorado Avalanche, Medalist Hockey Team. See Don't, you next Wrong week. episode. Wrong episode. Oh, wrong oh. episode. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's next? Uh, what's next? Star Trek episode. Uh, the next Star Trek episode coming soon uh, is the aforementioned Corbamite maneuver. All right. Another, another right. serious Sounds contender. Yeah. Corbamite and maneuvering. Uh, my, my my buddy Bartok or Barlog or whatever he's called. Baylog. That's right. Yeah. 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 What you know about that? Nothing. All right, that's that's the end of the end of the show. All right. Thanks for listening to Podcast Them Down. You can find Burning Shadows, Eisenmore, and recently vacated graves on Bandcamp, as well as Facebook, along with Fade to Black Metallica Tribute and Podcast Them Down itself. Until next time, keep it metal. Avalanche is a verb? What? Like avalanche, is it a verb? To avalanche? Is it like the action of avalanche? <laughs> we can have a uh, more NPR-y, breathy delivery. Right, so, Timothy, I heard that you... We should delivered. NPR one of these episodes. And- <laughs> Edit it to death, so like it sounds like we talk perfectly all the time. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, don't know if I have the patience for that. <laughs> their, their house style is so aggressive. I uh, hate it. I can't stand stuff like that. Oh, I should save this for another episode of Everything Sucks. <laughs> Mike and I did something called Everything Sucks, where we just complained. Metal. So I think perhaps the best track right. on Gather Darkness. Is, yeah, what's uh, what's the best track on Gather Darkness? It's the, it's the one that's really slow. Mm, that's that a good you're one. all excited and then yep, you just wait for it to be over. And that's inexplicably, uh-huh. that's not the least to listen to track for some reason. The fretless bass is uh, was popularized by Jaco Pistorius. In the 19- I think we could do this. Man, I'm excited. This is the pull the plug Friday dinner party. Welcome. Oh, I should find like a light jazz piano bed. Welcome right. to podcast them down. We have been starting these Star Trek episodes with someone reading the captain's log. Are we doing that again? You know, interesting uh, topic of the day is today uh, William Shatner announced that he was going to join Jeff Bezos for a recent journey to space. I saw that, but this episode won't air for quite a long time. (laughs) Well, then maybe maybe he will have already died in a tragic accident in space. You're going to feel horrible if uh, that turns out to be true. Probably. The, the the penal rocket. <laughs> yeah, the doctor. Yeah, someone needs to, someone needs to be totally like like in the Doug's like morning. <laughs> All right, bing bong. Great idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'll be like the podcast styles. We'll each have a podcast. Like someone will be NPR. Oh, someone yeah. will be like 
WTOP in the morning. We could do we could do uh, whose podcast is it anyway? <laughs> and everyone gets randomly assigned a style. And then you have to do the whole podcast in that style. <laughs> All right. Did you see this AP? I'm just furious. <laughs> the liberals want you to. <laughs> WBAL, the most powerful name in radio. (laughs) Traffic and weather together on the eights. All right, so who's doing the intro for? I got it. I got it. All right. Wait one second. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do a okay countdown from (laughs) sixty. Four, three, 